Today is Thursday, November the 9th, 2023, and this is a Daily Inc. update. The House Oversight Committee has made the next move in the impeachment inquiry of President Joe Biden. The committee has now issued a series of subpoenas that involve close Biden family members or business partners. Those who were issued the subpoenas are Hunter Biden, James Biden, Sarah Biden, Hallie Biden, Rob Walker, Elizabeth Secundi, Melissa Cohen, and Tony Bobolinsky. The chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, Jim Jordan, is talking about the bombshell report that he released on Tuesday of this week. That report details the ways in which Americans have been censored and silenced by three major institutions who are supposed to be supporting and protecting the First Amendment rights of Americans as granted by the U.S. Constitution. Jordan spoke about all of this on Fox News. But here's the here's the real takeaway. The censorship industrial complex was bigger than we thought. It wasn't just big government working with big tech to limit your speech and limit Twitter or tweets and posts on Facebook. It was big government, big universities and big tech all working together to limit speech. And it was disproportionately, as you listed off all those conservatives, disproportionately targeting conservatives. Molly Hemingway, Sean Hannity, President Trump, members of Congress. You can go down the list. That's who they went after. And here's the kicker. It was all true stuff. Or some cases it was satire. It was a joke. But it was all true. And yet they went after it. Uh, in this organized fashion where they limited how the, the, the reach it would have, the visibility filtering they did, and they took things down. That's how egregious this was. And the U.S. Senate is not lacking for bombshell information either. This time it comes in the form of a Senate committee hearing that had one single whistleblower, Arturo Bejar. Bejar is a former executive from Meta, otherwise known as Facebook, who repeatedly sought to protect children from sexually explicit material and people when he worked for that social media platform. He says in his opening statements that Meta knows what the data is saying when it comes to Facebook and Instagram materials harming young children but they simply do not care. We try to set goals based on the experiences of teens themselves. Instead, the company wanted to focus on enforcing its own narrowly defined policies, regardless of whether that approach reduced the harm that teens were experiencing. I thought the company would take my concerns and recommendations seriously, to heart and act. Yet years have gone by and millions of teens are having their mental health compromised and are still being traumatized by unwanted sexual advances, harmful content on Instagram and other social media platforms. It's time the public and parents understand the true level of harm enabled by these products, and it's time for Congress to act. Missouri Senator Josh Hawley took the hearing into even darker realms by pointing out how many pedophiles and predators are able to operate freely on the two social media platforms with impunity. They ignored your findings when you presented data to them they didn't want to see. They turned a blind eye. Let me let me ask you about something else. This is from the Wall Street Journal's report earlier this year. This is June of this year. They found the following. I'm going to quote Instagram helps connect and promote a vast network of accounts openly devoted to the commission and purchase of underage sex content. Pedophiles have long used the internet, but unlike the forums and file transfer services that cater to people who have an interest in illicit content, Instagram doesn't merely host these activities. Instagram's algorithms promote them. 
Instagram connects pedophiles and guides them to content sellers via recommendation systems that excel at linking those who share these interests, the journal and academic researchers found. This is a stunning, stunning report, Mr. Behar, that, that more than buttresses bears out what you were telling, trying to tell the executives who ignored you. These national story updates have been brought to you by Open Inc., a website that is a repository of documents for those who like deep digging, critical thinking, and true journalism where the facts speak for themselves. Up next, a preview of what is coming and what is available on the Open Inc. website. Continuing on with the January 6th story and Ray Epps, as we have been doing all this week, we learned from Truth in Media and journalist Laura Logan in the past few reports about the repeated phrase that Epps used on January 5th, the night before January 6th, when he was in a Washington, D.C. crowd that was comprised of patriots, Trump supporters, and even BLM and Antifa. Epps was caught on the videotape by Tim Journey, a.k.a. Baked Alaska. Epps is caught on tape apparently priming the crowd for the idea of going into the Capitol the next day. And then Epps told Journey privately that it was to storm the Capitol. I'm not kidding. We're here to storm the Capitol. Hell yeah. All right. Have a, have a good night. Be safe. Be safe, brother. That one moment changed what we knew about Ray Epps that night when he whispered storm the Capitol before it had happened and echoed the official narrative before it was broadcast across the nation. Of supporters of President Trump stormed the U.S. Capitol building. Thousands storming the Capitol. This mob that stormed the Capitol. Stormed the Capitol. And stormed the Capitol. Stormed the Capitol. Stormed the U.S. Capitol building. Stormed the United States Capitol. The segment by Laura Logan reminds the listener that they took great pains to confirm that this was exactly what Epps said on the videotape provided by Baked Alaska. We ran it through forensic software that technical investigators use for analyzing audio and video to make sure we heard correctly and it had not been altered. We're here to storm the Capitol. Hell yeah. All right. Have a, have a good night. Be safe. And search through hours of footage, countless news stories, Epps' FBI case documents, and his deposition before the January 6th committee to see if it had been discussed. With the exception of one writer we found on Substack, it hadn't. Truth and Media will be exploring Epps further in their yet-to-be-released next segment. In the meantime, you can find his transcripted testimony to the House Select Committee by going to open.inc and going to the document bar and typing in his name. You can simply type in Epps. As you read through what he told the House members, one word keeps coming up repeatedly as he talked about his goals for being in the crowd of younger people. And it was to de-escalate the situation. De-escalate is a word he uses multiple times that he wanted to do. De-escalate the young people, de-escalate those who were angry, de-escalate the conflict. Epps really took a lot upon himself when he was in that massive crowd to provide guidance for all the varying temperaments and motivations that were there. It's very interesting to read his explanation and then to also hear his voice on audio repeatedly saying that we have to go into the Capitol building and trying to get people to rally around that idea. There's definitely an incongruence there. And whenever that occurs, it's a sign to dig deeper. I will continue with this story in the next episode for tomorrow. 
The fair fight versus true the vote trial has ended. It did so this past Wednesday on Truth Social. Catherine Engelbrecht and Greg Phillips posted that only a final brief needs to be filed and that'll happen next week. The issue will then be decided by the judge at some point in the future. Catherine also wrote in that post, thanks for everyone who offered prayers and support in the past few weeks while this trial was ongoing. And she concluded with the lines, we are stronger than ever. Keep the faith, never quit. Thanks for listening to this Daily Inc. update.